I thought we switched on, there we are. Are we back on? So I'll start all over again, shall I? <laughs> oh, I'm sure you heard me. I've got a loud voice anyway. So Isaiah 52, I was saying, is not as well known as Isaiah 53. Isaiah is full of the gospel. It's really been called the, the, the evangelical prophet. Everywhere you look in Isaiah, Jesus is there and the gospel is there. Some texts are not directly gospel. But the ones I've been looking at and enjoying is the prophecies. Prophecies that are fulfilled and have been fulfilled. And some of them have still yet to have a fuller fulfillment. We'll see that with this one. In Isaiah 52, you've got that great statement that Paul quotes in Romans. How beautiful are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings the gospel of salvation. Uh, you also have that prophecy in verse 13 to the end of Jesus there, right, uh, he, which really links into what we're going to look at tonight with Isaiah 53. His visage is marred more than any man. Christ really did suffer. The message tonight will be the man of sorrows. But this morning I want to take as a text Isaiah 52 and verse 10. Let me read you the text. The Lord has made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Now, that's my text this morning. It's a prophecy that's been fulfilled, but what I really like about this prophecy is there's still yet more to be fulfilled. And it's such a positive text. So my message is the arm of the Lord Reveal the arm of the Lord reveal. Now notice what we're told. Just look at the verse. Let's try and examine it together. The Lord has made bare his holy arm. In other words, he's revealed it, made bare, he's revealed it. In the eyes, it says, of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. All the nations, in the eyes, notice in the eyes of all the nations. Now, what a glorious promise this is. So we're going to examine it. I'm going to break it down as simply as I can. Uh, I want to look at really two points. God's power revealed in the gospel. God's power revealed in the gospel. The Lord has made bare. The Lord has revealed his holy arm. Now, when the Bible speaks about the arm of the Lord, it's speaking about his power. It's always about his power. You see it in Isaiah 59. Uh, well, let me turn to it. Isaiah 59, verse 1. The word sometimes used is arm or hand of the Lord, but it's the same idea. 
Behold, the Lord's hand is not shorter that it cannot say, nor is he heavy that it cannot hear. Can you see the word there, hand? In the NIV, it says, surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. So it's the same idea. I, I like it in Isaiah 63. You have it in Isaiah 63, in that great prayer of Isaiah, verse 11 and 12. He remembered the days of old Moses and his people, saying, where is he who brought them up out of the sea with the shepherd of his flock? Where is he who put his Holy Spirit within them? And here it is, who led them by the right hand of Moses with his glorious arm. Can you see the language he uses with his glorious arm, with his power? Now, there's an old hymn I want to quote. I always, it's not, some of these hymns are better read than actually sung. I'm not saying it's a great hymn to sing, but it's marvelous truth. Listen to these words on this very verse. Arm of the Lord, awake, awake. Thy power, your power unconquerable take. Your strength put on, assert your might and triumph in the dreadful fight. Now listen to the hymn writer. Why do you tarry, mighty Lord? Why slumber in the sheath your sword? Or rouse you for your honor's sake? Arm of the Lord, awake, awake. Behold what numbers still withstand your sovereign rule and just command. Reject your grace, your threats despise and hurl defiance in the skies. Haste then, I love this, but come not to destroy. Mercy is yours, your crown, your joy. Their hatred quell, their pride remove, but melt with grace, subdue with love. Why do you from the conquest stay? Why do your chariot wheels delay? Lift up yourself, hell's kingdom shake. What a hymn this is. Arm of the Lord, awake, awake. Now I'm sure that's the prayer of every Christian at this present time. We want to see the Lord making bare, revealing his arm, his power. And, and the picture here is of that. So what are we praying for? We're praying that the Lord will show that power, that great power, in the gospel today, in our day. But the text is telling us that the power has been already revealed and will be revealed. It's there in Isaiah 63 and verse 5. I looked and there was no one. I wondered there was no one to uphold. Therefore... God looks down from heaven, sees there's no help, there's no one can do anything. My own arm, you see, my own arm brought salvation for me. God looks down from heaven and sees there's nobody can help this world, nobody. No one can save the world. So he declares his own arm. The, the language again of the arm. Now that's exactly, if you come back to the text in Isaiah 52 verse 10, that's exactly what the gospel is and what the gospel is saying and what we see in the gospel. God revealing his arm. God revealing his power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to turn to the New Testament. I want to give you an example of it. If you go to Luke chapter 1, you'll see the power revealed right from the beginning of the gospel, especially in the incarnation. You see it really right from the off, right from the off when you get to the New Testament. Look at Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. I'll just read it from, well, look at this. The sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent to God 
to the, sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin. The language is always there, the virgin, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. When she saw him, she was troubled at the saying, considered what kind of greeting, what manner of greeting is this? The angel then declares this power. Don't be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. For behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. It will have been read thousands of times, wouldn't it, over Christmas. And he will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, do you remember it? How can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that holy one who is to be born will be called the Son of God. For indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month of her who was called barren. And we love verse 37. For with God, with God, nothing will be impossible. You see the context of the arm of the... How can this be? I don't even know a man. Oh, he says, the power of God will come upon you. The power of the Holy Spirit. For with God, nothing is impossible. The miracle of the incarnation, the virgin birth, is the arm of the Lord. It's the power of God. But most importantly, it's revealed. It's revealed. That's the important part of our text. It's made known. It's revealed. You see it in the early Gospels, don't you? It's revealed to Joseph. It's revealed to the Virgin Mary. It's revealed to, the, to all the disciples and on and on it goes. We know that Joseph is not the father. You see the, the power and the impotence of man, the God's power, man's weakness. He's set aside. He's just a sinner. He can't father this child. He only can produce sin. This child is going to be sinless. So it has to be the power of God. That holy one who is to be born shall be called the son of God. And here is God's power. It's there, I love it in chapter, well, you have the great announcement of the gospel to the shepherd. You all know those passages. I don't need to quote them. Glory to God in the highest. The declaring that God has done something. He's done it. It's his power. It's his glory. But I love, I love the words of the Virgin Mary in this passage. I think it's marvelous. Listen, listen to this. She said, my soul magnifies the Lord. Luke chapter 146. My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. And listen to these words, for behold, henceforth all generations shall call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me. I love that. He who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. His mercy is on all those who fear him from generation to generation. Here it is again. He has shown strength with his arm. Can you see it? He's shown strength with his arm. He scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He's put down the mighty from their thrones. He's exalted the lowly. Oh, you could go on. It's marvelous. He's remembered mercy. 
but he has shown his arm, she's saying, and he was mighty, that's the point. He was mighty. He's shown his strength, he's shown his arm, and he has done mighty, who is mighty, he's done great things for me. If you're a Christian this morning, you should be able to say that. He who is mighty, he who is God, the one who has all power and all authority, has done great things for me. Oh, it's there in chapter two to the old man Simeon. My eyes have seen your salvation, which has been prepared for all peoples. Again, the revelation. In Isaiah chapter 52, in our text, you just have this emphasis of the power being revealed. The Lord has made bare, he's revealed his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations. You see, the gospel's not hidden. The gospel's not kept secret. No, no, it, it, it's done before all the eyes of the nations so all the ends of the earth can see it. That's the point. And we know that, don't we, with the cross. When you come to the cross of Jesus Christ, the greatest revelation of God's power is the cross. The Bible says God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Oh, oh, God's salvation. All the eyes of the earth shall see the power. His own arm brought salvation. He did it. In Paul's letter to the Romans in chapter 3, that difficult word, propitiation, but, we, but get the verse. It says, whom God set forth as a propitiation through his blood, by his blood. The picture there is God placating him, setting him forth for everyone to see. Jesus said it, if I'm lifted up, You'll see, you'll look, you'll see, not just a, a dying saviour, you'll see the power of God revealed to demonstrate his righteousness, to demonstrate his power. God set him forth publicly for all the world to see. So there on the cross, what do we see? We see the, the righteousness of God revealed, says Paul, a way for, for God to, to forgive sinners like us who were unrighteous. But it's his power that did it. By his own arm, he brought it. God is holy. God is righteous. He must punish sin. He has to punish sin. Man is a sinner. He can't escape the punishment of God. He can't escape the judgment of God. He can't do anything. He has, as Isaiah says, no righteousness of his own. All his righteousness is filthy rights. But God can. That's the gospel. He's made bare his holy arm. He's revealed his power. He has conquered man's greatest problem of sin. He's defeated death. The greatest enemy we have, he's defeated it. He's conquered it. Paul says he has abolished death and brought immortality to light through the gospel. He's revealed it through the gospel. He's conquered the devil himself. He's conquered hell. By his power, he's done this. By his own arm and power, he's conquered our greatest enemies. His own arm brought salvation for him. The arm of the Lord, the power of God revealed. It's marvelous in the gospel. We could go on about that all day. But let's come to the second point. The power of God revealed in salvation. It's not the same thing. Now, we're not talking about the, the work that God has done for us. We're now talking about the work that God does in us and through us. Salvation has to be applied. We believe a gospel, what Christ did, but there's a salvation to receive. 
And it's revealed. The power of God reveals that in, in salvation. Look at the text. The Lord has made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation, the salvation of our God. Now notice, when the Lord makes bare, he reveals his power. This is what he's saying. This is what I love about this verse. All the ends of the earth shall see it. It's marvelous, and it? It's such an encompassing gospel. And they shall see what? The salvation of God. They'll not just see the gospel, they'll believe it and receive it and know the power of it. That's what he's saying. Now, the Bible is very clear. Salvation is by God's power. I'm sure your pastor has preached that for years in this church. It's God's power. You'll have heard hundreds and hundreds of sermons on it. You know it's, it's God's power to save, not ours. We can do nothing. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. The fact is, without God's power, no one can be saved. That's what the Bible says clearly. No one will see the salvation of God. So it's God's power at work in a soul that must be at work. If you read the Bible, you'll see the Bible's full of it. In Ephesians chapter 1, he just begins. And you, pointing to the Christian, he made alive. We forget what an amazing thing the Christian is. We just think, oh, well, we're Christians, aren't we? We're just people that believe the gospel. I mean, they don't believe. We do believe. We go to church. We, we, we do Christian stuff. They don't. I wish they did. We want them to, but we do. We never consider what an immense blessing and powerful, gracious act of God in making us Christians in the first place. And not only making us Christians, but keeping us and holding us the same power. However weak you feel this morning, Christian, it's the same power holding you and keeping you. You're not hanging on by your fingernails. He's keeping you. But it was his power that made you a Christian in the first place. You he made alive who were dead. Dead. You read Ephesians 1 verse 4. At one to four. It's a devastating statement about the, the spiritual nature of man in sin. Under the prince of the power of the air, in the kingdom of Satan, under the dominion and rule of the devil, blind and dead and unable to believe the gospel. And then he says, but God, but God, but God, who is, there's great buts of the Bible, but God, you see, it's about God, but God who is rich in mercy. Because of his great power? No, because of his great love with which he loved us. He exercised that power towards us. And you who he made alive who were dead in sin. He raised you up to sit in heavenly places with Christ. He caused you to believe it's by grace you are saved through faith and it's not of yourselves. It's the power of God. It's the gift of God. If you read Ephesians chapter one, he has a great prayer, which I think is so important, particularly for Christians to get hold of. What he prays for is understanding. That's why we have the New Testament. That's why we have the letters. So you believe the gospel. Now he wants you to understand it. Why? In order that you might live it better. All the New Testament is divided into simple truth. There's the doctrine of the gospel for Christians. For Christians. Christians don't need the gospel. They say rubbish. They need to understand what God has done to save them. Why? Why do they need all these truths again and again? In order that they may, like Paul say, therefore, that being so, in the light of that, I can live and I can do these things. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
You've got to understand this power. So what does he pray for? In Ephes- the two prayers in Ephesians, but the first one he prays, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. So it's a greater understanding, a greater revealing of God's power to you as a Christian. That you may have this enlightenment, that you may know the hope of his calling, the riches of inheritance in the saints. But the verse 19 says, and what is the exceeding, listen to these words, the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So he's saying something here, isn't he? Magnificent. He's saying it was the same power that raised Christ from the dead that brought you salvation. Exactly the same power. In fact, in another place, he says, it's the same power that created the universe, that created this world. God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, he's commanded it to shine into your soul, to give you the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You're not just a Christian. You didn't just become a Christian. God revealed it to you by his power, and he brought you from death to life. And that's what he wants you to understand. So Jesus taught this more than anybody. In simple terms, he simply said this, you must be born again. That's what salvation is, really, in the essence of the application of it. What is a Christian? Somebody who believes in the gospel? No. Somebody who has the Spirit. Have you got the Spirit of God in you? If any man does not have the Spirit, it doesn't matter what he does, what he believes, he isn't a Christian. Jesus said, you must have the Spirit. You must be born again. Unless you're born again, listen to him, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You won't even see it. Don't marvel that I said to you, you must. George Whitfield was once asked by a woman, she complained about his preaching. He said, why are you always preaching on you must be born again? He said, madam, because you must. You must. Don't marvel, don't be surprised. You need this power. Without it, it's just you. Your Christianity, friends. You've got to ask yourself this question. And this is the difference between a church-going professing Christian who isn't a Christian and a real Christian. Here's the, here's the test. How do I explain my Christianity? Is it something I did or is it something God did? Is it the power of God or is it just me? You've got to know that it's got to be the power of God. It's his power that works in me mightily, says Paul. I wouldn't be here but for the power of God. You've got to be able to say that. So when God exercises this power in your life, salvation is revealed and applied to you. See, Christianity is a, more, a, a wonderful thing. It's not, it's not some hesitate. I, I do say it, I do preach it. Others are not sure about it. You know, it isn't really a religion. Religion really is man trying to please God or to find God or to search for God or to know God. Christianity is the opposite. It's not man trying to live as a Christian life or to follow God or, or seek after God. It's the opposite. It's God coming to man, revealing himself to man, showing his power, giving us eyes to see, giving us faith to believe. That's why Paul says in Romans 1 verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why is he not ashamed of it? Because it's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. The Bible tells it's only by the power of God at work. Only then will men believe. Only then. This is the biblical order. 
It upsets some people. Well, just deal with it and read the Bible. There's an order in the Bible. We are dead. We are helpless. We are hopeless. We are unable to see. We're unable to do anything. We're unable even to understand the gospel. You remember, we'll look at it tonight, Isaiah 53. Do you remember how that begins? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? What a burden that is for Isaiah, should be for us. How, how few there are that have really believed in the immensity of the gospel, and we can apply that to Britain today. It's so true of Britain today. And yet, the arm of the Lord has been revealed. And it's an encouraging text, because this verse is not a maybe and a might be, or a could be, or a hope so. This is not a, an Isaiah 51, to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Here's the question. The Lord has, look at that word, has made bare his holy arm. Not will be or maybe or could do, he has done. This was written 750 years before Christ. God's declaring it's already done, even before it's done. He's done it. Can you see the, the certainty of God's promise in the eyes of all the nations? And all the ends of the earth shall have an opportunity to be, oh no, all the ends of the earth shall, shall see the salvation of our God. It's emphatic. When you get to the New Testament, it's just there, it's fulfilled. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, he says, I came in weakness and fear of much trembling. Uh, why? That your faith will be in the power of God, not in the wisdom of men. He says, the, the natural man, he doesn't understand this gospel. doesn't make any sense to him. 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, 1, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 14. It's nonsense to him. What does he say about us? But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. It's his power. He's done it. He, he, man can't see. He's unable to understand the things of the spirit of God. He's unable to receive it. But God has revealed it to us. He's made bare his holy arm to us. Now, I love this text for this reason. The Lord has made bare his holy arm in the eyes, look at these words, in the eyes of all the nations. Don't you love that? In the eyes of all the nations. So you've got to have a big view of the gospel. Million, we're very parochial, aren't we? We've got to think bigger. Millions, millions, billions and billions. We talk, our government talks about billions like they were nothing, don't they? Billions of pounds. What was, what's the matter with us, Christians? We, we don't even talk in thousands. We don't even talk in hundreds. We need a bigger view of God. Oh, was, you've not got that negative theology. Let's exercise it out of you this morning that the world's gonna get worse and worse and there's only gonna be a few of us left. Are you one of them? And there's just, I'm not sure whether you're saved as well. It's a miserable Christianity. Oh, the Bible does say there'll be a great falling away and many will turn away. But this Bible says all the ends of the earth shall, shall see the salvation of God. Don't argue with the Bible. It's gonna happen. It's already happening and God will fulfill his word. It's a positive. Can you see how positive it is? Many shall come, says the psalmist. Many, millions, millions, billions have seen, listen, have seen already and will see and will be saved. I'm very excited about Christianity. You should be excited. All the ends of the earth shall see. Doesn't mean everybody's going to be saved, but this gospel has an immense scope. And we haven't seen nothing yet. I firmly believe the fulfillment of this verse has yet to have its full fulfillment. God's not even finished with it yet. There's so much more to it yet. 
was in my church last Sunday, preaching. I boasted, I'm just thrilled by this verse. I wasn't preaching on this, but we got people from Syria. We got people from Afghanistan. We got people from Iran. We got people from Nigeria and Africa. We got people from India, Pakistan, all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. It's a marvelous truth. They shall see. So let's apply this. What about you? What about you this morning? Has the arm of the Lord been revealed to you? Has it been revealed to you? Has God revealed the gospel, the salvation of Jesus Christ to you? That's all that matters primarily. Have you been given sight? Has it been revealed? It's been made bare, he says. It's been revealed. Have you seen, let me, how do I know? Well, have you seen your terrible condition before God? Christians should always stay humble because all we are is sinners saved by grace. That's all we'll ever be. Have you seen our wretched man that you are? Have you seen that even your good works are so bad, God calls them filthy rags? So God knows what he thinks of our bad works, our sins. They're many, aren't they? As the hymn says, but his mercy is more. Have you seen your terrible state? Have you seen your desperate, hopeless state before God? Therefore, your desperate need of a saviour. Why do I need a saviour? Why do I need salvation? Because you need to see your own state that you're not going to heaven as you are, and you can't. It's impossible. There's only one way, and Jesus is the way. Have you seen the saviour, the salvation of God? Jesus is his name. Through him, only through him there is salvation. There's no other name given whereby we must be saved. We must be saved. Have you come to him? We use these phrases, don't we? Have you come to him? Have you come to Christ? You come as a sinner. You come as a helpless, hopeless sinner. And you cast yourself upon him. You say, I've been coming to this church. I've heard the, 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 the preaching. I've listened to the teaching. I'm beginning to understand now. I'm beginning to see... I, I, I just can't do it. It's impossible. Don't try and live the Christian life. Don't you dare try and be a Christian. You're doomed to fail. If that's your Christianity, you're going to be miserable. You're always going to fail. Who wants to live a miserable failure of a life? Trying to live as a Christian. What a joke. You're not called to try and be a Christian. You're called to come to Christ as a helpless, hopeless person who says I can't be a Christian I can't live as a Christian and that's when God's power kicks in and that's when you, you rely entirely upon him and you say I need you I need your help, I need your salvation and he comes and he breathes life into your soul you become a new creature in Christ a new creation and God by his mighty power begins a work in you do you know what Paul says, he who has begun the work will continue it, marvellous Christianity is the power of God. That's what it is. You know what men and women in Britain want to see today? Just want to see the power of God. They're not interested in what you believe. I'm telling you now, they can care less about this church and they don't know, care what you believe. But they would be interested if they saw the power of God. So how do we, how do we communicate to a society that doesn't want to know? It's got to be power. We need power. We need to get back to real biblical Christianity where we walk and live in the power of the Spirit, where we manifest something that's different. Oh, I can't do it. I'm a rubbish Christian. Stop calling yourself a rubbish Christian and start saying, I can do all things through Christ. 
Without me, said Jesus, of course you're rubbish. You can do nothing. But with me, all things are possible. With God, nothing is impossible. I'm not saying I've arrived or I've discovered anything. God knows. Ask my wife. Ask my children. Ask anybody that knows me. But I do believe we need this power. And I do believe we've got to get back to 100% dependence on Christ. Christianity is the power of God. You begin with the power of God and you continue with the power of God. Why? Because we can't do it. Because we're powerless and we're helpless. And we need God's help and we need God's power alone to say it. Oh, listen to the Virgin Mary's words. That's why I love that verse. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. Can you say what she said? My soul magnifies, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She needs a Savior. Oh, listen, for he who is mighty has done great things for me. He who is mighty has done great things for me. Let me quote Charles Wesley. I do believe this verse, for me, what's really impressed upon me, and I don't know whether it applies, I would say to every congregation I would preach that it applies. But your best days, this church, let me tell you, your best days are ahead, not behind you. Look not at the things behind, pressing forward. You're living in difficult days. You've been through difficult days. Congregations have gone down. People have left. The devil's been at work. All kinds of things have gone wrong in churches. Don't look at those things. Put them behind you and look ahead. That's the message. All the ends of the earth have to see the salvation of God. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. All we have to do as a church and your church is get on board with it. And look positive to the arm of the Lord and the power of God. And don't look at the negative days and don't look at the negative messages and the people that tell you everything's going worse and worse. God is on the throne. It's his kingdom, his power. Christ is supreme over this world. He's supreme. He created it. He made it. It was made by him. It was made for him. It's all for him. Everything's for him and for his glory. It's by his power. Don't lose sight of it. Wesley wrote some great hymns. You know these hymns. But do you remember these words? And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? What's he saying? He's saying what Mary said. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit's rejoicing in God, my Savior. He's mighty. This mighty God's done great things for me. Amazing love. How can it be that he would save a sinner like me? Oh, uh, that thou, my God, should die for me. Listen to these words. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused the quickening ray. I walked the dungeon flame with light. My chains fell off. We need to sing that better these days, don't we? That's what the people outside need to hear us sing. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. But we're going to sing this one. Listen to these words. You know this, all for a thousand tongues to sing. My great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King, the triumphs of his grace. My gracious Master and my God, assist me to proclaim You need to pray for the preachers of the gospel to spread through all the earth abroad the honors of thy name. Jesus, the name that charms our fears, that bids our sorrows cease, is music in the sinner's ears, is life and health and peace.
he, listen to these words, he breaks the power of cancelled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. Can you see the emphasis? Can you see how he, he, he glories in the power of God in salvation? He speaks and listening to his voice. What? New life the dead receive. Nothing's changed when Charles Wesley was writing this hymn and preaching it. Nothing's changed 2022. Exactly the same. The mournful broken hearts rejoice. There's a lot of mournful broken hearts. Not just conviction of sin, but broken lives, broken people. How they need the good news of the gospel. The humble poor believe. I love this. Hear him, you deaf. Your, his praise, you dumb. Your loosened tongues employ. You blind behold, your Savior come. And leap, you lame for joy. He's telling you to do the impossible, isn't he? impossible look unto him look at the end and how this perfectly fits with our text look unto him you nations all let's get a big view of the gospel you nations all your God your fallen race look unto him and be saved through faith alone be justified by grace now I don't know what your theology is all I know is this the Bible is true and it will be fulfilled. This is a prophecy that has already been fulfilled and has yet to still find full fulfillment. Listen to it. The Lord has made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you that it's so positive, it's so encouraging in such discouraging days. When we look up, we don't look around. We don't look at ourselves and we certainly don't look at our country. We don't look, Lord, at what we see in the natural. We look up and see what you have promised in your word, which is impossible, the supernatural. And we hold on to the promises of God. They will see the salvation of God. Lord, there are billions and billions of people in this world. You know about them. And they've not even heard the gospel of Christ. And they've not even ever had that message come. Maybe there's some here this morning that you're calling to go and take that gospel to them in the future days. That they will be missionaries, that they will go. They will take that gospel to the ends of the earth. Lord, you are sending people out, calling them from Coventry, Blackpool, everywhere. And you're bringing people here as well so that all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of God. We pray your blessing upon this church. If there's anybody unconverted here this morning, Lord, let them realize without you that it's hopeless. It's your arm, it's your power, not their effort. Let them cast themselves upon you this morning. And for the rest of the church, let them look at you and see that the best days are still to come. And that 2022 and 2023 and however many years you're going to give us by your grace, you could even say to us, you've seen nothing yet. Help us, O oh Lord, to have confidence in you and no confidence in ourselves. Your arm is mighty to save. And as the hymn writer said, arm of the Lord, awake, awake. Shake 
this nation, Lord, and show your power, we pray, and reveal it to many people. Amen. I'm going to sing all oh, for a thousand tongues to sing.
Amen. Let's thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the message that thrills our souls. And Lord, we thank you that we can look to you and we can see that arm, that power of God in our lives and in the lives of many people today and will be seen according to your promise. So we commit ourselves into your mighty arm and mighty hands even now. And we ask, Lord, that you'd keep us. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship and the communion of the Holy Spirit come and abide with us both this day and forevermore. Amen.